Good morning. It's really good to see everyone out this morning. We would acknowledge your presence if you're visiting with us and would ask if you can be back with us tonight. We would certainly welcome that opportunity. We use different, many different gauges in life, tape measures and different types of measuring devices. But what kind of gauge would you use if you were trying to measure spirituality? If I was to measure my own relationship with God, what type of thing would I use to measure that and determine whether I have a good relationship with God or not? I would submit to you this morning that prayer would be a good indicator. Not necessarily how you pray, but how much do you pray? I might also add to that that sometimes I think we tend to look at prayer as more of a fallback plan or maybe even a rabbit's foot where we use it in times where maybe superstitious about something or maybe we use it in case of emergency break the glass and pull the device and sound the alarm we use it like that sometimes all too often we use it like that and I might suggest that if you're only praying is at the assembly of the church And at mealtimes, your praying is lacking. Why is it that we do not pray as we should? It's not particularly that we don't know necessarily how to pray so much is that we just simply do not do it. And I think the reason we don't do it is because we don't see the need, you know, You've probably heard and, and seen news reports of people that are in an airplane and it's going down at several thousand feet per second. And the person that is saved says, boy, I started praying. Why? Because they saw the need. If a tornado is, if you're in the path of a tornado and the tornado is in your neighborhood and You're bowed down in your bathroom and you hear it ripping apart the houses next to you. You've seen news reports where people say, well, I started praying because they saw the need. And maybe we don't pray as we should is because of the reason we don't all too often is because we truly don't see the need. If you will, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 11. I want you to read with me a a lesson there that Jesus has for us about prayer. Luke chapter 11, we're going to read verse 1 beginning. It came to pass as he was praying at a certain place that when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples. Notice that once again, Jesus is praying as his habit is, and he doesn't let his innermost disciples get in his way. He doesn't let them distract him from prayer. He's praying in a certain place, and it captures their attention. They've seen it perhaps enough now that they want to know. They say, Lord, or he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice he didn't say, teach us how to pray even though that may have been his intention. 
But he says, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus abide or, uh, abides by his request. And he says, verse 2, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and bring us not into temptation. Jesus here outlines a prayer that is not difficult, it's not complicated. Perhaps the disciples maybe had the thinking that as his parables are, so are his prayers. Maybe they're so difficult and and hard to comprehend that we need to know. We want to know how how you do how do you pray? And surprisingly, Jesus lays out a very simple, uncomplicated prayer. It can be broken down basically as praises to God and a food problem and a sin problem. Give us food for our food problem and keep us away from sin, our sin problem. Problems that all mankind of all ages have always had. It's a very simple prayer, isn't it? And I'm not sure that really answered their question that they wanted. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe they wanted to know more than this. Even if they didn't, the Lord begins explaining in verse 5. I want you to break this section here apart. We're going to look at verse 1 through 13 entirely. But the first four verses there, Jesus might, you might say he gives them the mechanics of what to say. Pray like this. Say these things. But is it enough to stop there? Would that be enough if he stopped there? Apparently not, because Jesus goes on further to explain maybe we what would call this a motivation. Verse 5 through 13, Jesus is motivating them to want to pray. He cannot simply just give a prayer that you can just recite, as we might say, with your hands behind your back and your eyes closed. You can recite this from memory. Lest they do that, Jesus goes on to give them motivation to help them see the need to pray. Beginning of verse 5. He said unto them, and what this basically is is a parable. It doesn't introduce it that way, but verse 5, he begins a parable. Takes them from something they understand, an earthly lesson, and translates that into a spiritual which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. So here in verse 5 and verse 6, we might say we're seeing here our perspective. Jesus is laying this out from my perspective as if I were the one that had asked the question, Lord, teach us to pray. He lays out the mechanics of it. Here's what you say. But he goes on to say, it's like this. Suppose you 
have a friend and you go to him at midnight. So we're seeing the who and the why, the what, the when, and the where of praying. Who you go to, you go to a friend. Why you go, you go because you need bread, you need loaves. You go even at midnight. You don't wait till it's easy and it's convenient. You go when the need is there. And you go. You know, it's, it's one thing to have somebody knock on your door at midnight. But realize that this person that's going is interrupting his convenience as well. He has to awake and see the need, the urgency that is to go and find a friend that has something to help him with. Verse 7, he went and he from within shall answer, say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot arise and give thee. So he goes at midnight, he makes the effort, he goes to his friend's door, leave me alone. My children are in bed. They're all asleep. I don't care what you need, is the idea. My convenience takes precedent. Verse 7. Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. Now, verse 8. Jesus begins to give us a little insight to what God's perspective is on this parable. Verse 8, I say to you, and there's a contrast. Jesus says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity or impudence, some of your, your versions may say impudence, and some may use the word persistence. He won't do it because he's your friend, yet because of his importunity, your bold persistence, he will arise and give him as many as he needs. Now, verse 8, he's, he's begun to transition into the spiritual part of the lesson. He's making that transition. I say unto you. Now, if you knocked on the door, the the, the Friend that was so selfish, he did not want to heed your call. He said, leave me alone. Jesus says, you might, if you keep knocking, if you keep seeking, if you keep knocking, and you're boldly persistent, he might go ahead and answer you. He might just do that. We do that, don't we, just to get somebody off our back, out of the way, leave me alone so we can go on with our night's sleep. Verse 9, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Here, we might say, is the how. How do we pray? It's not the how, you notice, the wording, as we see in verse 2 and 3. It's not the way you word your prayer but it's the motivation behind what you're doing. It's, the, it's seeing the need. Verse 9, again, he said, I say unto you, if you ask, it'll be given. 
Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened. I think we see here a progressive steps, a series of progressive steps that are involved. Ask. We can ask sitting down, can't we? But we get up and we rise and we're seeking diligently. Suppose that friend went all the way to his friend's door and he, then he stopped and said, I, I, I just can't bring myself to knock. Can't do it. It's midnight. I don't want to disturb them. You see, that's the effort. That's the extra effort that we take in prayer. Jesus is saying, ask, get up and seek, go all the way to the point of knocking urgently, boldly persistent, looking for help. Verse 10, for everyone that asketh receiveth, him that seeketh findeth, him that knocketh to him it will be open. Verse 10 is basically a rewording of verse 9. So what's the difference? One of the differences, I think, is that phrase, for everyone that asketh. Jesus perhaps is saying, I'm not only going to teach you, disciples, how to pray. This is not something merely for you as maybe the Holy Spirit. I've given you the Holy Spirit. We don't give that to everybody. But for everyone that wants to, to and needs it and finds the need, everyone, verse 10, he says, that asks can receive. Everyone that seeks can find. Everyone that knocks, it'll be open. And I think he's expressing a truth here. This is not a general proverb that is true in most cases. This is altogether true, altogether accepted by everyone, that this is a truth. Now, verse 11, he begins to give us a little bit more perspective. Look at it from the eyes of God in verse 11. Which of you shall, which of you that is a father shall ask his son a loaf? And he gives him a stone or a fish. And he, for a fish, will give him a serpent. Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? And here you see in particular verse 9 through 13 are parallel to the passage we read earlier this morning. Ask, seek, and knock. Jesus goes on to describe and motivate us even further. Verse 11, he says, make the comparison. Which of you as an earthly father... If you have your son come and ask you for a loaf of bread, would you be so selfish and unkind and inconsiderate and lacking generosity to hand him a stone? Which of you as an earthly father, if your son came up and asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? Which of you, if, if you ask for an egg, hand him a scorpion instead? The obvious answer to that is no father would do that, would they? Verse 13, if ye then, being evil, comparatively speaking, you are men, 
If you are earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? See, he's taken us from the earthly in verse 5 through 13. Taken us from the earthly, what we understand, what we know. And now he's taking us and transitioning that into a spiritual lesson. And all of this, I believe, to motivate us to want to pray, to see the need to pray, and to find and seek out opportunities to pray. You know, it's not, as Jesus has already described, he's given them the mechanics. If they wanted to, they could take verse 2 and 3, and they could roll that up in a little piece of paper and keep that in their pocket until they've got it memorized and they've got it all they need. But that's not where he stops. We generally don't do anything until we have the motivation. And that's what Jesus is doing in verse 5 through 13. Giving them the motivation. Showing them the need to pray. Now I want to make six points of application. From this parable... To help us in our daily lives to find a way to fit prayer into our lives. Remember we said at the outset, I and I firmly believe that prayer is a very good gauge of my relationship with God. Look in the mirror and say, what how am I doing? What's my relationship like with God? I think prayer is a very good indicator. How much and how fervently are we praying? Let's first look, we're going to look at the who, the what, the where, and the how first. Who do we pray to? Simple question, is it? Who do we pray to? God. Think about who we're praying to, though. The creator. The creator of all heaven and earth, of my very body, everything we see around us. We have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. We have access to that power He's the creator. And you know what? He wants to hear from us. He wants me to pray to him. Mm. You know, we need to think about communication just like we would a relationship with a loved one. Would you go very long in a relationship with a loved one without communication? How long do we go with a very close loved one, a spouse, without communicating? Because we want to communicate. You don't have to remind us, do you? We want to do that. Now take that and translate that into our relationship with God. How often do we communicate with God? Going back to the friend that we talked about here in verse 5, 
Suppose the friend went and knocked on the door, and all of a sudden, he, the friend on the other side of the door opened the door, and he said, ah, I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. I've got some bread here waiting on you to uh, knock on the door. That's all. That would be surprising, wouldn't it? But that's what God does when we go to him in prayer. It's as if he's saying, I've been waiting on you to knock on the door so we could open the door and commune together. What do we pray for? Number two, what do we pray for? I would suggest to you that we be specific in prayer. Sometimes I've heard people say, I just run out of things to pray for. I pray and it doesn't take me very long and I run out of things to pray for. Well, that's okay. Tomorrow, add a little bit to that. And the next day, add a little bit to that. and Just keep praying and keep practicing. You know how they say practice makes perfect. We can't one day be converted and the next day we know everything to pray for. It takes practice, doesn't it? So what do we pray for? We be specific and let's practice our prayers. One thing I would advise you to do if you run out of things to pray for, pray for others. Perhaps all you're thinking about is yourself and not praying for other people and not praying for their needs. Perhaps you might make a list, make you a list and write it on a piece of paper. Write it down. Some people, and whether we say this or not, we think about small things. Do we actually sometimes refrain from taking those small things to God in prayer because we feel like he's too busy? He's got too much to do to listen to my small problems. Brother, let me tell you that there is no problem that is too small that God doesn't want to hear about it. There's no problem too large. There's no problem too small that God cannot listen and wants to listen and wants to help. You think about something small that you've refrained from praying about, and tomorrow you pray about that because God wants to hear. It no matter how small that is. In addition, I don't think our prayers need to be complicated. We see laid out here in verse 2 and 3, Jesus laid it out before them and showed how uncomplicated that prayer can be. Let me add to this as well. One of the things that I think would, would help, if you ever run out of things to pray for and you're looking for something to pray for, open up your Bible to the book of Psalms and find in it a, a psalm that is dear to you, that rings true to you, maybe two or three, and just read those and read them as a prayer to God. I think that's one of the reasons, one of the big reasons we have prayer. I mean, have the book of Psalms. Read those and read them to God in the form of a prayer. That'll give you plenty of material. And who is there of us that cannot 
find something in the Psalms that rings true in my life, something that's bothering me, something that's pressing upon me, use the book of Psalms. That's what it's there for. And I might also say that when you pray, pour out your heart to God. Don't hold anything back. There's no need to be embarrassed with God. No need to feel like he's going to berate you or belittle you in any way. No matter what it is, just simply pour your heart out to God. And as Hezekiah did, when a Syrian army was pressing upon him, he took that letter from the king of Assyria and he laid it out before God. He just laid it out to God. He said, God, I want you to see what he's saying. Pour your heart out to God. Lay it before God. Be careful what you pray for. In James chapter 4, verse 3. We're advised that sometimes you have not because you ask amiss. You asked in order to spend it upon your own pleasures and you have not. James 4 verse 3. Be careful what you ask for in prayer. We might be hurting financially. We pray for financial help. Be careful. That financial help could come in a way you'd never expected. It could come in, by means of an insurance policy that's left to you because of a loved one that has died. That's happened before. We pray for the lost. We say, God, give them, send them whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring them back. We need to be careful because it could be that tragedy may precede their return. I'm not saying don't pray that way. I'm just saying be careful what you pray for. That you understand that God, give us whatever it takes. If we pray for our nation, God, turn our nation around whatever it takes. Do we realize that whatever it takes could be war and oppression before it gets better, we could be dealing with all of that before it gets better. And that's okay as long as you understand before you pray whatever it takes. So be careful what you pray for. And be careful what you ask for. Lord, teach us to pray. Point number three. Where do you pray? For you mothers that have children, and it seems as if 24 hours a day you're consumed with taking care of those children, where do you pray? It's hard, isn't it? I know it's hard. Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus advises us to go into your inner chamber or your closet to pray. Why is that? Well, I believe it's because we can go there and we can be alone and we can be without distraction and we can focus our mind and our attention 
upon God, but how many times in this day and time do we find so many hours of our day consumed with going here, going there, doing this, doing this, and we're surrounded by people. Jesus says, go to your closet and pray. And I think the idea there is go somewhere, find somewhere that you can be alone and you can be without distraction and you can pray to God, your father, fully focused upon what it is you would like to say to him. How do we pray? Number four, how do we pray? We've already seen some of that already that we ask and we take the effort to seek. We get up and we seek and we knock. We're not embarrassed. We're boldly persistent to knock. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, We have such a great high priest. Jesus is such a great high priest. Hebrews 4 16 words it this way, that we can go before the throne of grace. No. He says we can boldly go before the throne of grace and find mercy And also, we can find grace to help us in time of need. We have such a high priest. Be boldly persistent, he says. And I would add to that as well, 1 John 5, verse 14 says, We must pray that it be the Lord's will. And if it be the Lord's will, he says, your prayer will be granted, 1 John 5, verse 14. In addition, we must pray in faith, John, James chapter 1, verse 6. Our prayer must be done in faith, believing that God will hear us and that he will answer our prayers. And if we don't go to God in that manner, in that way, in that attitude... He says in James 1 verse 6, we're just simply like the sea that's tossed by the winds. The winds push the sea and make the waves go where they will. We're just tossed around like the sea by the wind. We must pray in faith, believing that he hears, believing that he will answer. Number five, why do we pray? Lord, teach us how to pray. I'm sorry. It's easy for me to insert that. Let me back up as he said in verse 1 of our text. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. At least for this lesson, I want to word that in an open-ended way. Teach us to pray. How to pray, what to pray, when to pray, where to pray. Why to pray? And that's point number five. Why to pray? Why should I pray? Because we see the need. We're going to go back to what, how we started. If I analyze my relationship with God and I just strictly use prayer as the gauge, then how is my relationship with God? Could it be on empty? Could it be running on fumes? Possibly I am. 
Sometimes I think we don't see the need to pray is because whether we say it or not, I think we have the attitude that I can handle it myself. This kind of goes back to the idea of praying about small things or big things. And sometimes I think maybe we don't pray because we feel like maybe we can handle this on our own. You know, many of the kings of Israel did not go to God in prayer before they went into battle. These powerful kings, probably because they didn't see the need. They thought they could handle it themselves. Do I all too often think that I can handle it? I've done this before. I've done this. I've gone through this before. I can handle it myself. Maybe that's our thinking. Maybe that's what mentality we have, the attitude we have. And maybe that's why we don't go to God in prayer as often as we should. Is there anything that we cannot pray to God about? No. Even if it's something that you've done before, you've been through, you've, you've been through these, this turmoil before. Don't think you can handle it yourself. See the need. And then number six. The win. Number six, if you're keeping notes here, our application, number six is the win. When do we pray? Well, along with that, I think we have to develop the habit to pray. It's a habit, isn't it? As we said earlier, all these things going on in my life, how do I fit in time to pray? How do I fit that into my schedule? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, every day, how can I pray every day and block out this much time every day to pray? Plan on it. Make a plan. Now, for you, it may be early in the day. For another, it may be late in the day. For another, it may be middle of the day. But set aside a time and commit to that time to pray to God. For some of us, that would mean that we're going to have to loosen our schedule. We've got so many things, so many irons in the fire, we're going to have to loosen up our schedule a little bit and, and find time to pray to God alone, without distraction, with maybe a list of things that I want to pray about, maybe sick that I want to pray for, maybe something very pressing in my life, bearing down upon me. We need to pray, loosen our schedules. We do it when well, when we're alone, without distraction. And I want to challenge you to monthly do a checkup. Well, challenge myself as well. Today is May 1st. Come June 1st, I want you to sit back and remember, oh yeah, I've got to do a monthly checkup on my prayer life. July 1st comes, do it again. August 1st, it'd be an easy time to remember. You turn the calendar over the first day of the month. Okay, what, have I, what progress have I made in my prayer life? 
How am I praying? Am I doing better than I was last month? Am I doing more? Am I communicating with God? You know, good intentions don't, simply don't work. I can have all the good intentions that, that you can muster. You can fill up a truckload of good intentions, but what good does that do? Where does that get you? I would beseech you to communicate with God because he will listen. Communicate with God because not only will he listen, but he has the power to do something about it. And he has the wisdom to either grant it, and he has the wisdom to refrain from giving it to you, if that would be better for you. So he will listen, he has the power to grant, and he has the power to withhold that when necessary, when in your best interest. He has that wisdom as well. Lord, teach us to pray. May we all find occasion, not occasion rather, make it a part of our everyday life. Lord, teach us to pray. How to pray, when to pray, where to pray, why to pray, and everything about prayer. And if I could leave you with this idea if you don't take anything away from this lesson please take this one point and that's the why and all too often the why we don't pray is I feel like if you're like me perhaps I do not see the need for if I did I would pray the lesson is yours. We want to appeal to you if you're here and you need to render obedience to Christ in baptism. We want you to consider your condition. Having heard the word of God, do you believe that word to be true? Are you willing to repent of your life and your sins in your life and turn around? Are you willing to confess your faith in the Lord Jesus? The Lord Jesus and make him all of your life, and then be baptized. If you've done that in the past, and you've fallen away back into the ways of the world, and you have sinned publicly, and that needs to be taken care of publicly, we want to encourage you to come forward, make your request known, whatever your situation may be, would you come forward while we stand and while we sing.